Hi everyone, welcome to the Phrase of the Moment podcast today. Um, I'm AJ and in the studio with me I have Andrew. Hello. Um, just a little bit about me because you guys have met, heard from Valerie before. Um, I'm AJ, I'm head of marketing at Fraser's. I've been here for about a year and I work on all things marketing, PR and comms. And with me, as I said, I have Andrew who works with us from Allison and Partners. Hi there. Yes, so I'm Andrew Rogers and I'm account director here at Allison and Partners working on our consumer and hospitality team. Um, Allison and Partners is a global agency. We work around the world um, and with great hotel and uh, hospitality brands like Fraser's. Fab. Um, today we're talking about all things influencers. It's a really hot topic at the moment. Um, from episode two, you guys heard Valerie and we'll discuss our social media episode about how we see growth in micro-influencers. But we thought it's such a hot topic, why don't we do a whole episode just around it and see what it means for brands. Um, it's also uh, an industry that's reaching maturity. We've seen in my career, I remember when I first started out in marketing 15 years ago, we didn't have influencers. When you told a GM that you or a general manager that you wanted to host a blogger, they kind of were like, uh, no. And as I've seen in my career, this changed so much. It's actually really interesting to see like where we think it's going. So yeah, so it was interesting that in that episode, uh, Valerie and Will discuss micro-influencers. Um, that's definitely something that's seeing so much growth this year, although honestly, for the last couple of years has been really on the up. Um, we're finding that increasingly what our recommendation is for brands is that they really structure their influencer marketing not just around one big influencer um, and you know one partnership across a whole year but actually many uh, micro influencers especially when we're looking at kind of a local approach uh, to influencers and who is really important in the local area and when we're talking about micro influencers not everyone will kind of be we have macro influencers we have micro influencers how many followers would a micro influencer normally have yeah so i mean it varies a little bit in terms of what the space is and what we're talking about so if we're looking at the end audience um the actual number can depend on are we locating it to a country are we locating it to a city um, are we locating it to maybe a very specific audience so for example people who own dogs and that kind of narrows down your audience but broadly speaking we're looking kind of the 5k to 10k sort of mark in terms of number of followers on a platform like Instagram. Fab. Um, how do you think we can balance influencer marketing with our other media channels when we're looking at a campaign? Sure. So, I mean, when you're looking at balancing with elements like media relations, for example, it's actually not a massive step forward to go from media relations to influencers. And increasingly, the line is blurred anyway. Um, we find that when it comes to the key journalists that are really owning the space, especially in travel, um, they are themselves increasingly influencers. They have so many followers on Instagram. They have their own kind of network of influencers who they are able to kind of speak to very directly. So the whole thing is a bit more blurred in terms of how you'd approach them. Um, in terms of how it fits into a much wider mix, um, you need to consider influencers in terms of your wider plans around uh, maybe specific local areas you're looking to target, maybe specific audiences you're looking to target. Um, it shouldn't be considered its own little uh, area sitting on its own um, considered differently and uh, I wouldn't even necessarily say that it should be a different team looking after influencers in, in most cases although you do want someone who really knows what they're doing when they're talking to them um, but it should be sitting along the rest of your mix to really fit in with those kind of big campaign peaks but just another um, another string to your bow really. So we're never going to see influencers replace press journalists? I don't think anytime soon no um, which I don't think is necessarily a reflection of that being a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, I think both bring something really important to, to the mix. And there'll be lots of people who don't 
want to take their recommendations for something um, like their travel decisions from an influencer, but they might be getting their inspiration in terms of, you know, more broadly a destination. And then when they go to book, they'll be going to uh, search online and, and it'll be those important online reviews and articles that actually really spur on that purchasing decision. So um, I don't think one's going to replace the other. I think they've both got a really important role to play. Do you think journalists were kind of slow on the uptake with social media and that some of these key journalists could have become really big influencers and they just haven't picked up that trend? Possibly, yes. But I think we've now got to the point where because uh, platforms, obviously Instagram's the latest, but, you know, not the first to really be building kind of these more influencer profiles online. A lot of the uh, journalists who perhaps could have caught onto this earlier have now gone on to more senior roles. And actually, we're seeing that a lot of the uh, journalists who are coming in to fill the more junior roles, um, they totally get it. They grew up with this. This is this is their life. So actually, for them, building more of an online persona um, that would, you know, potentially in some cases stray into heading into micro-influence or even more uh, bigger influencer territory just really isn't that unusual for them. Um, so I don't think it's as, as necessarily as clear-cut as that. When we're looking at this younger generation that we have now growing up and they're growing up with Snapchat and TikTok and Instagram, do you think there'll be a point in the next 50 years where the press is going to have to radically change their approach to things and become more influencer-like in how they're broadcasting news and sharing news? Do you reckon we'll be looking at news from the eyes of Snapchat? We'll be there on our phones in 50 years' time seeing like what's the latest but not on TV and not reading the press but just looking at what they've put on Snapchat? I think media publications know that they need to evolve. Uh, and they and they already have to a certain extent in, in terms of the way you just have to look at a headline today compared to a headline 20 years ago. And you can see the big effect that optimizing for search engines has had on the way that things are phrased. And that's going to be something that feeds into all sorts of areas. So, for example, if it's the ability to swipe through stories faster to get to the one that you're interested in, um, which is, you know, one of the things that TikTok is really good at is that you kind of slide through until you get to something that you're interested in. It learns from what you're interested in. These are certainly the sort of things that we'll see being replicated from publications because ultimately they need to get more eyes on their content. Um, but I think they're also aware that they can't just rely on broadcasting this through these other platforms. They need to be able to build it into their own core product. Um, I'd say they're doing that with mixed success, uh, but you can certainly see that that's what they're trying to do. So in essence, we could in the future be looking at news that's tailor-made to our search algorithms. So then our news vision is becoming even smaller in essence rather than becoming bigger possibly and i'm not going to comment on this podcast whether that's a good thing or a bad thing uh but i wouldn't be surprised if we saw that cool and when we're looking at influencer campaigns you know sometimes we'll see an influencer talking about hilton and the next day we'll see an influencer talking about intercon do you think that we should be looking at more longevity with these influencers rather than just saying you know stay in this hotel and then maybe we'll talk to you again in six months' time, creating a full 360 campaign with them, like seeing a journey that they're traveling with us rather than having seen them go to different brands all the time. Yes, absolutely. And to be honest, I think it's what influencers want as well. I don't think they particularly want to be jumping around different brands if they can help it. Um, partially because, at least from the point of view of uh, agencies like ours, when we do see an influencer who's worked with lots and lots of different brands and it's jumping around and it's very inconsistent. Um, and first of all, it often shows that they don't have, they haven't been able to work with the brand on a long time scale and that kind of... Uh, red flag. Red flags, exactly. Um, but I think also we, we do want to work with those influencers who really buy into the brand ethos. And, and that's why a lot of time has to go into identifying 
what it is that drives the influencers that we're working with. Because, I mean, everyone's an individual. Um, this this isn't just, you know, catering to a, a meme generation or anything like that. This has always been the case with media relations and any sort of public relations. Is you need to really understand that people have their own um, views on the world. They have their own ways that they want to be uh, communicating with their audiences. So we need to tailor to them. And what we really want is... Uh, someone who's on our side because they want to be and of course there'll be paid elements to that um that go alongside kind of broader campaigns so you can't really do that with a one-off post it's just not really possible and you end up with really weird results that people just see right through and there are great examples online of terrible influencer content where it looks so obviously that it's been sandwiched in and you might have a bottle of febreze in the background um of of a shot and it just makes no sense uh, and, and nobody wants that because it's not it's not interesting, it's not engaging, and that's not why anyone goes on Instagram. Uh, and they already have ads built in for that. So the great thing about hospitality brands is hospitality has always been something where you're doing more of a 360 approach to the stay. It's not just a product that does one thing. It's really about the experience when you stay. So it's really f- suited incredibly well to influence marketing, and there's so much more you can do for that long-term, uh, long-term experience. And I guess one of the big things with hotels is that we provide influencers with beautiful backdrops for their content, whereas not every product does. So if you're looking at, say, like Febreze, for example, getting that Febreze message across is going to be very different to how you see a design or hotel message coming across. Do you think we've changed the way that we design hotels around influencers to make sure there is more beautiful things than to take pictures against? Well, the most successful ones have, yes. Yeah. Um, and I, I, it's got to be a core consideration when you're designing hotels. And- it can be really small things. It doesn't have to be the entire hotel that you're redesigning around, but those little things that you know people are going to want to take pictures with or you know that are going to really boost engagement with their audiences. That being said, there are definitely more cases where you've had big mural walls, you've had big feature pieces in the room, or you can leave, like, for example, personalized messages on mirrors or in the products that you leave in the room. These are all things that are going to really um, encourage people to share more because this is content that they have that the vast majority of people aren't going to have. And at the end of the day, if, if I'm posting something on Instagram, uh, it's the same as you know an influencer posting it to their many more thousands of followers. They want to share something with you that you're not going to be able to see anywhere else because otherwise you might as well just go on Google Images. Yeah. And it's also driving people to want to be in those places. I remember a few years ago, Bone Dyers and Soho came out with a an Instagram kit for their restaurant. Their restaurant was really dark and people couldn't take those beautiful pictures of the food. So they came out where they had like a light box you could put over the food and they had filters for your phone that you could do. And I think, wow, we're really changing the way that we eat. We're not just eating by looking at where's best to go. We're thinking, great, I want to go to Ellen Cafe because I want to have my picture taken against those beautiful flower walls or I want my avocado rose on my toast. And it's changing so many things now. One of the things I notice when I look at my Instagram channel is just how many influencers there are now. It seems that almost everyone's an influencer. And now that that's such a crowded market, do you think that's going to change the way that we interact with them? Yes, uh, and in a good way. So what it means is brands can be a lot more choosy when it comes to the influencers that they work with, uh, which is a good thing. Um, Brands should only be working with uh, influencers who approach this sort of activity in a professional way. When money's changing hands or goods are changing hands um, and products are being sponsored and promoted, which at the end of the day is, is what's really happening here, um, there will be influencers who get that and respect that 
and are able to produce great content, but also in a responsible way. So using the right hashtags, um, kind of alerting their audiences. Um, and there'll be others that might not get that and they might just not understand the market or they might just not be mature enough to understand it. Um, now that the market's so saturated, it's more important than ever that you actually really analyze how um, you know how those influencers work. So part of that is looking back at their posts. So are they um, promoting brands in a responsible way? That's why it's always tricky because you need to have uh, you need to work with some brands to show that you can work in a responsible way, but you don't want to work with too many that it looks like. So it's it's a diff it's a difficult balancing act for influencers. That's definitely true. Um, but also you need to be looking at key things like engagement that they actually get on posts. Plenty of people can build up lots and lots of followers. So number of followers, while it gives us kind of a benchmark for where they sit within the market, isn't actually how we then make a decision on whether we work with them. Uh, fortunately, there are great tools out there that allow you to uh, just very easily check the engagement rate on posts. Um, and the best influencers will have very, very high engagement. When I say high, we're talking kind of like three to 5%. More than 5% is very, very high. Um, and by that, we mean, you know, of the, your total audience, the number of uh, the proportion of people who will like, comment, take an action on a post. Um, and that's what we really care about because it shows that they've cultivated their audience in the right way. It shows that their audience actually just likes what they're putting out there. Um, and it also shows that anything that we put out there is going to actually reach people um, and have some sort of tangible effect, which is really the most important thing at the end of the day. Um, the market is just really crowded from both sides. There are also so many, I mean, pretty much every brand now is at least had a meeting where they talk about how they're going to work with influencers, even if they're not necessarily doing it properly. Um, and as a result, there's probably too many players, both in terms of brands and influencers in the space. Um, doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. it. In fact, if anything, it means that you really should, but you need to approach it in the right way. Take your time, find the right list, negotiate, make sure you know upfront what you're getting from the influencer, what they're going to create, um, and make sure they're the right fit for your brand so they actually enjoy their stay. So if we're saying that follower numbers are more vanity numbers, and we're looking at how the way Instagram is now going to change their algorithm, so we're not going to see likes on posts, do you reckon it'll be harder to track this engagement? It, or do we think those tools that we have with measuring engagement will still exist even though likes are taken away? Yeah, so it just makes it more important than ever that you use the right tools because they will still work. Um, it also makes it more important that you actually talk to influencers uh, and that there's more to be learned from talking to them than there is from necessarily swiping through their feeds. That's true now and it'll be even more true once you can't actually see how many likes things have got. Um, but they'll be open, they'll be happy to share that with you. Um, so that combined with the sorts of tools that we have already means that actually not seeing likes isn't gonna be a problem. And it will probably, I think, be a good thing for the health of the platform overall. Uh, I think like numbers have become too, too ingrained in being linked to popularity. And actually there are much more important metrics for at least from a brand point of view to be measuring. It's about who actually takes action, who actually has a more positive impression of the brand who maybe finds out about it who who didn't previously and who might be inspired to go visit a new destination and consider our, our properties as a result. So that's what I really care about. Likes are nice, um, but not the final metric that we really care about. Andrew, sometimes on our Instagram, I see lots of people reaching out to us for stays rather than us reaching out to them. Do you see that as a negative, a positive? Do we want people to reach out to us or does it just create kind of more weeding out who's the rose from the thorn? 
interesting. So we're always happy when people come to us and ask whether or not they can stay and be involved and be a brand partner. That doesn't always mean that we're going to say yes, uh, because quite often it might not be the right fit or we might find that they might just not be ready at that point yet um, to start doing kind of a bigger brand sponsored message. Uh, We will always have to be selective because we can only do so much. uh, And that's the case with with any brand. Um, But we love it when people get in touch. And ultimately, if you get in touch with us, we know that you are enough of a fan and you've done enough research that you really understand our brand. And I suppose that would be the key thing I would say is it's very easy for us to tell when something has been sent to us as a quick CC to every hotel brand. And when someone comes to us and says, actually, I really love this brand because I've been there before and I stayed with my friend and I had a really good time and I like the vibe and the values that you stand for, the values that I stand for. Uh, it's very easy for us to tell when it's that kind of an email or, or direct message and when it's the other kind. And we're much more likely to work with someone who already buys into our values and already understands us. Um, and that's the authenticity that we want to see. And of course, we're going to w- try and work with those people if we can, because they are our biggest fans. And ultimately, we want to get the message out from people who already love the stuff that we do. Fab. And if I said to you to just end the podcast today, what's one thing you think we'll see in 2020 come up influencer marketing that we haven't seen before? So the big difference, I think, is going to be an increasing move towards very specific audience influencers. Now, this has already happened already in terms of they do exist and they're out there. But I think brands are really learning much more that they can be going to these very specific um, influencers and actually getting a lot more bang for their buck. Um, that could be going to a specific local area. So previously, most influencers that had really big followers were based in London, maybe Manchester. Um, But actually, that's not the end of the story. And they don't understand necessarily your local town and your local high street and your local hotel. Um, So working on a much more local basis, also on particular interest groups. um, And increasingly, influencers don't necessarily fit within the mold of young millennial Um, but that actually go and kind of fit into different parts of society because it's got to a point where anyone can do it. Um, And anyone who has something interesting to say and interesting to add to the conversation probably should. Cool. Well, thanks so much for joining me today in studio. It's been great to have you on our Fraser Moments podcast. Guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and see you soon.